We're a unique podcast for families of faith, produced by parents and pastors who understand and appreciate how hard it is to maintain your faith in a hostile culture. We're here to encourage and support you in the most vital role of all, parenting. If you're feeling overwhelmed and afraid, it's okay. You're not alone. Brilliantly Brave is hosted by two honest and engaging dads with nine kids between them, a road tripper, author, and pastor, Father Brad Mathias, and iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave. Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I'm Pastor Brad, your host or co-host, and my sidekick, Robert Beeson, is here with me in the studio. And I'm glad to be here, Brad. Oh, I am so glad. See, now, Robert, you smiled and you said it. Because I'm looking at you. I know, but... You should see yourself when you go, hello, welcome to Brilliantly Brave. You kind of perk up like... I perk up, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, my, my producer told me we should bring energy to this podcast. This shouldn't be just dull. Well, it's I don't know that exciting. you're doing that, but it, it looks funny, and, and I, I'm, it's well, enjoyable. you know, that's why we're on air. We're not really, you know, we're not movie stars. We're podcasters. Although there is a, there's a camera over there catching well, us, which I'm glad. Well, yeah, that's something important to share with our, our listeners. We do have a video for season two. Is that right? That's true. That's true. Yeah, so you'll be able to find that um, on our YouTube, and uh, you'll be able to to find that on the links uh, on our our uh, WordPress site as well. So just to clarify, we'll have the podcast that is going to be available on all podcast platforms, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, but you'll also be able to find a video version of it on YouTube. Yeah, so you can see how goofy we look. It's true. Yeah. Well, uh, podcasting is one of those things that, you know, season two, I feel like we got our feet underneath us. We did uh, 19 or 20 interviews in our first season. We had a really good time, but we learned a lot. Season two, we're kind of expanding the the format a little bit. We're going a little deeper uh, behind some of these topics and subjects. And uh, I'm kind of excited about today's guest. Me too. We we really have a someone who's who's kind of in the thick of it someone who's mm-hmm. uh, out there really doing something to engage the culture it's not just theory to her rosalinda torres rivera did i say your name right you got it okay welcome to brilliantly brave and uh tell us a little bit about yourself hey it's so great to be on this program with you guys and just to give you a little history about myself, um, well, today I am a mother, surviving mother of two kids that are in college, and then I have a tween in my hands. My husband and I, we've been married for 22 years and just had a birthday this weekend, so I'm very excited about that. And, um, you know, I run a program that is well known in the United States called New Life for Youth, hmm. and my parents founded that about 50 years ago. Tell us about that. What is that program? For those that may not have heard of it. Yeah. So uh, let me give you a little history about how it started. Great. Um, You know, many years ago, my father actually grew up in Puerto Rico and the family came to the United States kind of looking for that American dream. And and quickly it shifted to the American nightmare and Mm. um, or not the American nightmare, but a nightmare rather. And, And, you know, he ended up in the streets of New York City. And it was in a place where as a kid, you know, at 12 years old, he is being bullied on the way to school and on the way out. And, you know, at the young age of 12, he ends up finding out, look, the only way to survive is to join a gang. And by the age of 12, my dad ends up stabbing somebody in a fight on a street. And by 14, he is a full blown heroin addict. Wow. Um, You know, it's just incredible. You know, my my grandmother was told by teachers, look, your kid's going to go to jail. He's going to die. He's going to end up in the electric chair. Um, But I will tell you this. I had a praying grandmother and I know there's some praying grandmothers out there today. Mm. And uh, she just refused to believe that her son was meant for that purpose and to die on the streets. And so there was a great pastor named David Wilkerson who. had a call to the streets of New York to reach these kids. And he came from Pennsylvania. Uh, My dad always says some country pastor from the hills of Pennsylvania, he came to the city, but he brought Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad had an encounter with uh, the Lord. And man, that changed his life forever. And so, you know, he takes off, goes to Bible college, meets my mom. I don't know 
how they hooked up to this day. They're the most complete opposite people I've ever met. Um, he was a gangster and um, she is grew up on a, a farm with cows, raised in the Catholic Church. <laughs> um, they both had a calling on their life and they have an encounter with Christ. And after Bible school, they come to Virginia. And that's where I come into the picture. Um, they start reaching people right on the streets of Richmond. And I was just a little girl and my sisters and my brothers. And they, they just, you know, they had this feeling in their heart. First of all, I got to tell you, this is kind of funny. Um, they ended up in Virginia because they had a speaking engagement and it got canceled. And my mom was like, hey, you know, let's think about after going to 30 countries, let's think about making Richmond our home. And my dad thought, man, Richmond is so religious. You know, I mean, they don't have any problems here. They have dogwood trees and man, the flowers grow like crosses. There's a church on every block. And, you know, a lot of times we think there's no problem when we see a town that looks like that. Hmm. Uh, but they begin to reach people off the streets and they came into our home. And as a young girl, I literally gave up my bed and um, would watch these people come in. And eventually people begin to believe in the vision of my mom and dad and the New Life for Youth program. And today we have 24 buildings and 118 acre farm with 200 beds dedicated to young people, helping them restore their broken lives. Wow. And it is, um, is it uh, drug treatment and or what is the, the restoration that you guys focus on? So what makes new life for youth successful and different is one, we really believe that they have to have an encounter with Christ. Hmm. You know, we really believe that they're, foundation you know has to be met if you are feeling horrible about yourself um and and you know you're just out there using and and you know there's so much hurt and so much pain even in children today you know um but we really believe that unless they have that encounter with christ there really is no hope but outside of that um it is a mentorship program uh we really believe instead of rehabilitation transformation mm. and able to get your GED you actually we actually have eight companies um, that were founded under the nonprofit where there's complete job training and readiness and we even have a hundred percent hiring so every single student who walks out uh, either is going back to school to college or getting a job that's fantastic what a great ministry yeah that's, that's inspiring <laughs> and you you're doing all that with a family I mean you're not just you know, running around taking care of yourself. How many kids do you have, did you say? So I have three kids. Um, my daughter, Alana, she's a worship leader for Liberty University. And so she's on the collective. We're so excited about that. And then my son, he's 17. We did some homeschooling. And so um, at 17, he was able to go into college. And he actually leads in our church and um, preaches to 80 kids every Sunday. Wow. He helps over the entire children's church, but they have about 80 kids in this larger group, and he runs that every Sunday. And then my little one, well, he runs us. And uh, I, <laughs> I completely and, understand uh, that. I completely understand that. He is 11, going on 12, and um, he's he is awesome. I love him. He plays basketball, and uh, we we just love him. He travels a lot with me and does conferences. That's awesome. Let me ask you a question because you mentioned something about moving to, to Richmond. I think you said your dad didn't want to necessarily be there because it looked like it was all put together and that kind of thing. Um, this is something that a lot of Christians don't necessarily want to talk to because they want to keep up the appearance that everything is going well. Yeah. But I know firsthand that um, just because you go to church or just because you're in ministry or just because you look like you've got it together, it does not mean that things below the surface aren't starting to creep into people's lives. And sometimes I have found that in ministry or in the Christian world, it's more we are more prone to push it down and to not recognize that we might be dealing with some issues uh, like addiction or depression because we want to keep up the appearances. So um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because it sounds to me like that's what your dad was kind of recognizing, that it looks like it's all together. But truly, there's some hurting people, even if something looks like it's got its all, everything worked out. You know, you're absolutely right. And my heart is heavy for families in the church that struggle with some of these things, but they're thinking, gosh, who do I tell? Right. And I think a lot of times, you know, you have to understand my dad came out of a, a very worldly situation. 
Um, but when he changed, it changed our whole generation. And so when I was introduced to Christ and I grew up in the Christian schools, you know, I also went to public school. I was involved in church. There is that kind of feeling of we want to show show everybody like, man, you know, our life is together because of Christ. Right. And we think somewhere along the line that if something is going bad, um, that that might be a reflection, you know, on our Christianity or our walk with the Lord. Mm. And, you know, that is the furthest from the truth. And, you know, each one of us are born, you know, there's so many emotions that we go through and, and you know, raising girls and boys are, wow, just to- totally two different things. But as much as I try to do the right principles and even run one of these largest, you know, rehab uh, outreach programs, even in my own kids, you know, I was able to recognize very early um, some of the doubts and some of the struggles that they went through. Hmm. And myself, you know, I mean, I love God with all my heart, but there were certain things and events in my life that were unavoidable. And, you know, just some tragedies that kind of happened that, you know, I still love God, but I was hurting, you know? And so unfortunately what happens is when some of the people go through this or when the children go through, you know, this type of thing, um, you know, unfortunately, addiction is is definitely one of the avenues that they turn to, yeah. you know, and that's my heart. You know, my heart, Robert and Brad, is that anybody watching today, um, you know, in the privacy of maybe their home will understand that they are not the only ones going through this. Hmm. That's well said, um, because I do think that a lot of people keep it and they feel isolated and they feel like no one else could understand. What are some, for parents out there, what might be some warning signs that um, our kids might be dealing or thinking, considering, or even experimenting with substances? Um, I know that, you know, uh, I know that addiction is just is symptomatic of bigger issues, at least in the beginning before it becomes a full-fledged disease. But there are things that you can pick up in the early stages. What might parents be looking for in their kids? And also, how how old have you found is like the time where where it really becomes something that's tempting for a kid? Well, you know, I think I'm going to start with that and work my, my way back. Great. Is that we're seeing a lot of kids starting um, around nine years old. Wow. And, and, you know, it is, I believe it's the second leading cause of death, you know, um, for kids. Well, nine to 11 is suicide, the second leading. Wow. You know, that's after kidney disease. And so, you know, we're seeing that the age is going lower and lower. And one of that, uh, one of the reasons is because social media um, has allowed these kids to become so incredibly smart on the subject, um, so accessible. Uh, you know, in schools, they're having conversations that'll blow you out of the water. And I think the biggest thing is that as parents, we can think that we failed if we recognize that our kids are doing or talking about something wrong. Like, no, you mm. know, that's the denial thing. Like, man, you know, no, my, not my kids, you know. And I, I'll tell you that, um, man, you know, growing up in church and also I taught Sunday school for a long time. I dealt with kids and then for 15 years I was in the youth department and there's so much hurt. But a lot of times it's because of, of our insecurities. You know, I, I'll deal on the girl side really quick. You know, a lot of insecurities, you know, wanting to look like the girl in the magazine, wanting to look like her friend. Now everything is the selfie, but you can't just take a selfie straight on. You got to throw it from an angle so mm. you can drop five. I mean, come on, y'all do it too, you know. Um, Imagine as kids, it's always like, let me get the curve, let me get this. And they're looking at that going, man, that's what I have to look like. And I've got to get enough likes. You know, I've got to get enough people looking. And when I don't, when I don't feel that reinforcement, you know, then something's wrong. And that hurt begins to come inside of them. And, you know, it's in that pain and in that moment you know, that they can choose to do the wrong thing. You know, also, you know, and this is just an example, but, you know, obesity in the United States is such a huge multi-billion dollar issue. And what happens is the same people that deal with the drug issue, you know, they have a choice. You could choose to overeat. uh, You could choose to get into gambling. You can choose, there's outlets that we're looking for. And some kids choose to turn to addiction. You know, and so what happens is there's hurt everywhere just because it's the kid that turns that way. You know, it doesn't set their hurt apart from your hurt. 
you know, but it just may be that that's the avenue that they chose to do. You know, I always tell the girls and guys in our program that the gifts that are inside of them, that God put inside of them, they're still there today. But unfortunately, they took some different courses and they chose drugs. Drugs, I will assure you, having many, many years, almost 25 years in this organization is not the problem. Mm. It's the hurt and the emptiness that they try to fill with so many different things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll tell you one thing. If the parents could just be a little more, you know, like one thing about my parents, boy, he did not play. He knew what I was writing. He knew it was on our phones. They would find our secret little papers, you know, and some people will go, well, you know, your child deserves privacy. Let me, let me tell you, coming from a person who's attended 11 funerals in one year, hmm. I tell you, get the privacy, keep your kid alive. Hmm. Do it in love. You know, when your yeah. child knows, I've got a million times that my parents found every little secret thing I tried to do because <laughs> I would be in a different place today. Wow. That's a tough balance. I, yeah. I completely agree with you, but I feel guilty. You know, just recently I ran into this with my daughter and I found something. She left her... Um, she left uh, a picture up her, uh, one of her, I guess it was Facebook. It was one of these things and it was an interaction with someone else on our, on our kitchen computer. And it wasn't crazy bad, but it was just something that I knew it put her somewhere where I knew she wasn't supposed to be at a certain time when she wasn't supposed to be there. And I'm like, do I admit to her that I just saw that? And I don't, I, I'm concerned that I, I'm going to come off like I'm snooping. But at the end of the day, I did confront her. And, you know, it was it was something that needed to be addressed. But it's hard to get over that snooping feeling like we're not. But you're right. I mean, there there's so much out there yeah. that is contending. There's so many voices out there and there's so much opportunity. I often think about, like, the Internet is like the equivalent in my mind, of Amsterdam. I wouldn't just drop my kid off in the middle of Amsterdam with all the drugs and all the prostitution and just say, have a good time, expect for them not to get in trouble. I mean, there's just, that. it's just, that internet is the same way. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong. So. You're you're absolutely right, you know, and and here's the thing is that if you can start earlier in your relationship with your children, you know, those of you that are listening that maybe have teens, tweens, but maybe you've got some younger ones, you know, the time is now. And the more communication you can have with your child up front, um, the less you're going to find that you're going to have to snoop. You will find that they'll want to come to you with information. Mm. You know, as tough as it is, I used to tell my kids, you know, I I would preface many conversations with this, you know, especially my daughter, you know, and I would say, you know, Alana, I just want you to know that there is nothing that you can do that is too much that would turn mommy away from you. Now, I might get upset, flip out, have a heart attack and pass out. And you gotta let me react. And I said, but I always want you to know that you've got an open door. Well, get ready because they're gonna tell you everything. That Hmm. freaked out more than anything. Was like, oh my God, she's telling me everything, you know? (laughs) I, I praise God because I have that open communication. You know, the other tough thing that, um, is such a privilege, it really is, and it's not something that we need to apologize for, is that we are their parent, we're right. not their And um, I think that if we can practice parenting more today, you will have a lifetime of friendship. You know, my kids today are in college and it's so crazy. I'm like, woohoo, I get some free time and hmm. they want me to be at everything. Hmm. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I thought it was my time. But how cool is that, that in their dating stage and in their age, they want to double date with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's now cool. they'll go, hey, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing Thursday night? What are you doing Friday? Well, that didn't come overnight. You have to practice to have those open communications in the beginning. Um, you know, I think also that there's a lot of hurt in parents that are unresolved. Hmm. You know, maybe there's something that your life and you're listening today, uh, maybe you didn't have that relationship uh, with your dad or you had an absent parent in the home or brokenness and you have a little bit of unresolved, you know, hurt in your life. I tell you, in order to reach your kids, you got to bring healing into what's swelling in your own volcano, you know, your own life. Mm. And, you know, bring that before the Lord and then ask you to be the parent that God help, you know, wants you to be. You know, communication is the key. I, I am a busy person. I travel a lot. I run a large organization. But m- even my secretaries know, like, I, I, 
you know, Tracy that works with me, I tell her first thing, I want you to drop my whole kid's calendar on my Gmail. Because I, if I know what's important to my kids, then I can work my schedule as much as I can around it. Right. And I want them to know that they're important. So in the moment of hurt, in those really, really dark moments that our kids face, I want them to feel free to come to me. And if they don't, you know, I remember a time with one of my children, um, I would say, you know, I just felt it kind of like the Holy Spirit was just kind of moving me to go ask for the phone. You know, right. and I would say, hey, and I see them quickly move their hand or change something or delete. I noticed that always messages were deleted or always mm-hmm. certain deleted. You know, those are real true signs that something's going on. And as parents, we've got to wake up. Mm, well said. Yeah, you know, that actually brings a couple questions to my mind. Let's say you're a parent with a couple of kids that are in junior high um, and you know they're hanging out with some kids that that you're not sure about uh that they've got a new group of friends they've they've formed a new club they're in a new sport some group has changed for them what are the signs a parent should look for in their kid that might indicate substance abuse is beginning to happen well i'm glad you asked that and um we really have to pay attention right at the age of 12 11, 12, 13, going into, you know, by 14, you're already going to high school. Those are the moments we've really got to pay attention. You know, um, I think secrecy is one of them. You know, trying to hold things private, you know, turning away, shutting our door, not including you in those conversations. You know, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to come from a different angle here because you have to understand, I am in the hospital at the end of the clip. Right, right. Yeah. And if you come into our program, into our rehab program, it's because it's it's kind of, it's not that it's too late, but boy, you're in bad shape. And um, and I will tell you, don't think for a minute that the kids who are using drugs today, you know, are from the ghettos, from the hood, from the neighborhoods that you drive through to get to yours. Um, because I make a joke personally about our rehab program today, and I call them the Vienna Boys Choir. <laughs> Uh, because back in the day, before background checks and everything, you know, we just took anybody off the street. And I mean, we had hardcore criminals in our program, you know. And today I look out and I'm not kidding. It looks like a Hollister commercial, you know. <laughs> and it's all kids, you know, and I joke with them, you know. But these kids from good families, they come from church. They know the system. You know, they, they know the talk. They're educated. They have good hearts. But they just started getting into these circles, like you said, these clubs or these groups of kids. And the parents were oblivious or they were in total denial. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes their sleeping habits are off. You know, that's something that you can notice. Sometimes they're more irritable. Um, and I actually made a little list because I thought you might ask that question. Sometimes you might see weight loss and they'll say, no, 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 it's me. I'm running. I'm in sports or I'm in soccer. You know, you know, that coach runs us all the time. They are the best with coming up with excuses. And as a parent, you kind of fight in your mind, like, you know, you know, maybe they're right. You know, maybe, maybe what you're saying is correct. And man, it makes perfect sense. Um, you may even, if, you know, these kids would be a little harder, but sometimes you may see scratches or dents in their car. You may see um, money is missing. Um, but I think in the early stages, it's that secretive, you know, know who your parents are going out with. You know, one of the things that my dad did and my mom is they made our house the place to hang out. Right. And we did the same. So I really was not into letting our kids spend the night at other children's house unless I mean, for real, I knew them. Um, but I would make my house the party house. It meant more food, more money, a mess in the house and late night talking. But you know what? You can either invest that time in the beginning or you will invest it later chasing your kids. You know, you will spend energy one place or another. And we just made our house the place to be. Um, sometimes they will have outbursts, um, anger, you know, oh, mom, you know, oh, dad, you don't know, you know, you don't understand, you know, or shut the door or you find manipulation, you know, a lot of addiction, you know, and there's so many studies. I was just in a group of 100 psychologists that got together 
And it, after all the medical terms, it boiled down to one thing, and that was impulsivity. Hmm. A lot of times we can be very impulsive and the kids can just make quick decisions just on any subject that don't, doesn't really make sense. Um, and that can be what leads them, their impulsivity to make bad choices. Uh, their appearance, their health, if they're sleeping a lot, things like that. But, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about the 11 and 12 year old, we're not talking about a full blown addict at that point. You know, we're talking about a kid that is looking and searching. Um, interesting, I sat down with a young girl. She was beautiful. She's in our program. She graduated. And I said, you know, what was it? You know, did your parents, I always want to ask this question. Did, do you think your parents knew? I will tell you nine times out of 10, they'll say no. <laughs> the, mm. My mom and dad didn't have a clue. Yes. And I'm talking start parents who think they're kind of like with the times and they were clueless. And, um, you know, some of them, you know, you talk about the pain, um, I'm, you know, you, you guys are two dads, but you talk about the pain of an absent father. Mm-hmm. I can bring a group of girls together in our women's home and just talk about healthy relationships and how father impacted them. And the whole room will come to tears. I'm yeah. talking blood. You know, some of them will say the only time I could get my dad's attention was when I was playing soccer and I'd be running down the field and I knew that I was going to make a goal. You know, then I knew I could see his smile. You know, some said they, he just wasn't there. You know, you can be there and not be there. Right. As parents. Yeah. And, you know, even this whole cell phone thing, we're on vacation. And I told my kids I have a basket and I'm like, drop them. You know, when we go to eat <laughs> right there, including daddy, you know, yeah. and mom, yeah. drop them phones. And um, you send a clear message. You have to keep communication open with your children. If in, if in the second you feel like communication levels are dropping, that's when you need to have some concern. That's interesting. I know uh, for parents who are uh, staying abreast of the local current events in America, there's been an opioid crisis. Uh, it's definitely becoming a national buzzword. Uh, it's on the news frequently. It's in the papers. It's it's in your news feed. There, there's definitely this tremendous epidemic of opioid uh abuse, and it's coming through uh, the actual prescription pills that doctors give uh, a patient who's in pain. And so I would have to think that parents should be aware of what's in their medicine cabinet uh, and the idea of monitoring if those are being used, you know, and it's not them. I know people will will have painkillers and, and different substances from a surgery or a wisdom teeth out or, or things like that. And they just sort of forget about that uh, unused portion or unused script. And, and I know uh, from my background being in healthcare that that is often the gateway for uh, kids, especially suburban kids who uh, just want to experiment. They just want to try something. And uh, the, the feeling that you get from, you know, a heroin-like opioid rush is pretty outstanding. So uh, have you had any experience in coaching parents about how to sort of police their own home environment? Yes, yes. So you are exactly right. Do you know that the United States only accounts for 5% of the world's population, but 75% of all the prescription drugs wow, are here in the U.S.? And 60% of all teenagers get their first drug or their first pill from a friend or family member. Hmm. And so, you know, uh, my son had a terrible accident a couple years ago and his arm was hit. Um, It was just a, a horrific thing. But the first thing they did was give him a bottle that was like five inches tall with opiates, like nothing, 13 years old. So I will tell you that over half of the people in our program, um, their, their first introduction is actually through a prescription pill today. That shifted tremendously. Hmm. And so um, I turned to my son and I said, you know, I know you're in pain. They actually put a... Um, a rod into his arm with nine screws. He was hit by a car. And, you know, but we talked about how those pain pills can become addictive. And I said, you know, when you're ready, we really got to make the shift. He goes, absolutely. After having, I mean, my kid has gone through, he had 12 surgeries in a year. Wow. He had a thick line to his heart. 
He didn't walk for 45 days. And he was so conscious because we have this conversation. And after just a couple days home, he took the whole bottle, took it right to the bathroom and dumped it. I don't know that that's the proper way to get <laughs> rid of it. But I, I, I watched him and, um, you know, you can actually, now there's safe places. You can actually turn in yeah. old prescriptions. So At any pharmacy, you can do that. Systems. But I, it was really important that at 13, he understood that even though he's in pain, if he can manage it, let's shift to something that's not going to be addictive. Mm. You know, there's a town in West Virginia that had 27 overdoses in four hours. It's also the same area where $1 billion of opiate addic- uh, prescriptions was given to one single pharmacy. Wow. And so the actual town ran out of free land to bury the bodies at the speed that was happening. And now it's creating a problem with orphans. And so, you know, prescription pills is a major, major way. It is so easy for a friend to go here, just try this. Right. Just try. You know what? You need to be looking inside of your kids book bags. You know, don't I'm just you know, I'm going to have to disagree with this whole thought of, you know, well, they need their space and I want to show them that they can be an adult. You know what? There there is a real problem um, with some of that. I think we lose our boundaries there and we forget the parenting that God has assigned us to do. I will tell you, I promise you, I am best buds with my kids today. I'm telling you, we love them. I love hanging out with my mom and dad. My dad will text us at 8 p.m. What are y'all doing? Let's hit the movies. You know, I mean, (laughs) I'm like, I'm sleeping, you know? And, you know, I love hanging out with them. But when it came to parenting, there was no question. And we had a healthy fear of God and a healthy fear of our parents. You know, and it was, let me tell you, it's not a bad thing. You want to make them feel like adults. And I have that conversation with my children. And I say, you know, right now you're not an adult. So mommy's got to answer to God. So when they ask for something or they're doing something that's out of line, or I feel like I got to step into their bedroom or show my presence, you know, sometimes, and that might annoy them. I say, you know what? It's not even about you at this point. It's about me and God. You know, I'm going to have to answer to him. I'm going to have to let him know what I did when you were a kid. Hmm. So you may not understand it, but right now in this stage of your life, I've got to make these choices. And, you know, I, I'll tell you, as much as proactive I try to be, there was moments I missed it. Hmm. It was the most hurtful point for me as a parent to go, man, I'm the president of a rehab. You know, I run this, I did, I, you know, I, 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 I've tried everything and yet I was nothing. And I missed certain points of their hurt, hmm. certain points of loneliness, bad choices that they made that I was oblivious to because I just thought if anybody's kids are going to make a good decision, it's going to be mine. Yeah. But you know, I was wrong because the reality is they face hurt. They face challenges. Their little world is so real and the pain and interactions that they have. And that's why praying together as a family is so important. Mm. You know, having that devotion time, you know, I used to crack up when I would, and and you guys are probably this family, and and so I'll apologize after this statement, but (laughs) you know, when families go every single night, we get together, we read the Bible. (laughs) Yeah, that's us. Uh And I'm like, oh my God, who are you people, you know? you're the mom or dad listening out there, you know, if you're a family member that's that's listening out there today, you know what? Don't you don't have to be perfect when you can break that word open. Don't rely on just church to build their life. That's right. But when you can talk the word to your kids and, and just a small, quick devotion, and I would make my kids pray and I would say, I don't care. I don't care if it's little, you know, uh, thank God. I don't want to have a bad dream. Good night. You know, and there'd be moments like that. You know, and I would, I don't care because I have to keep them talking. You've got to keep that line of communication open. Yeah, it's great, man. I can, I can sense from her passion and, and real life, Robert, that she could go on a long time. Uh, Absolutely. There's there, a, there's a well here to pull from. No, there's, it's been fantastic. It's great, great perspective that um, I think so many of us need to hear. Um, so very yeah, so I, I would love to invite you to pray, but before that, can you tell our audience how they could get a hold of you? If this is something that's resonating with them and they realize, hey, I, I need some help with this, how would, uh, how would a listener get a hold of you? 
Absolutely. Um, I have a, my office number is 804-276-6767. Or you can um, follow me on Facebook, Rosalinda Rivera, and message me. Um, and I also have a website, rosalindarivera.com. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. So we would love to uh, invite you to pray over this audience and uh, really just speak your heart. All right. Lord, I just thank you for this program that goes out. And um, Lord, for, for whoever's listening right now, you knew that right now they would they would tune in and capture this conversation. And Lord, you know their heart. You know their hurt. And Lord, we just start with the parents. You know, I start, Lord God, with the parents, Lord Father, just minister to their brokenness, to any feeling of failures or, or possibly of missing the mark with their kids, Lord God. And we surrender our kids together, Lord, this morning to you. And I, I pray, Lord Father, that you will give them insight. Lord, that they will not doubt their discernment, Lord God. Father, that they would be able to call upon you, Lord, in their time of trouble, Lord Father. We thank you that your word says you provide a way of escape and lord today we lift up the, the young kids and the children our kids that you've entrusted us with lord father and we ask that you will protect them lord that they will have their own encounter with you lord father that they will be gravitated to your presence lord father and lord we lastly we pray against just the works of the enemy lord just trying to come in and, and divide families and and lord cause them divisions and, and just distractions lord i come against lord father just that um, attack of uh, the this lure of addiction, Lord God. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we can go to you with all things. And Lord, that we know that you will guide our steps, Lord. And, and I just thank you for hope. I thank you for any family that's dealing with an addicted child this morning, that they'll know it's not too late, Lord God. But you're the God that will turn, Lord, this situation into a new creation, Lord. That we're new creations in Christ, Lord Father. And we praise you for that, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, we'll have to have you back sometime. I think there's a lot more that we can learn. Yeah, I think we so just too. the surface. You know, our guest today has been Rosalinda Torres Rivera. She's uh, an activist. She's, uh, uh, she's actually a producer. She's getting into writing. She's got movies. She's got a book deal. She's got a lot going on, a lot of practical experience. She's a parent. Um, she leads a national ministry. She is qualified to help you. So if this, if this issue is something that's really resonating with you and your family, we really encourage you to follow up with her and, and really contact her uh, in your own time. Well, Robert, I don't know about you. I just um, I had sort of the, one of those surreal moments where you, you're looking back on your life and you go, wow. I would have really appreciated someone telling me <laughs> <laughs> 10 years ago, hey, junior high is that heads up time. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think she said 11, 12, and 13. Those are the ages where drugs begin right. to enter the home through the kid. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I never, would have, I never would have thought that. I mean, we've, um, in our family, we've dealt with addiction a lot. And um, so I'm pretty cognizant of that kind of thing, um, just because I've seen it a lot. But I, I, I don't think I would have tagged it as being that young, a problem that young. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of pills lying around because I, I don't like them, but <clears throat> they have friends that do, and that's, that's kind of scary. I love what she said, though. That it, I got the sense over and over that she was telling us about these warning signs, but the undercurrent to everything is it's not too late. It's not like... You missed the boat, Brad, because you didn't think about this, you know, too soon or whoever's listening out there that it's too late for you. It's just about start being deliberate, start taking steps of having communication and start looking for warning signs. But I think what she said, and we say it all the time, is relationship, 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 keep communication open. Um, it's okay to go in and kind of look through things that they've got and to maybe frustrate them because they don't have their privacy. But that needs to be done, but as important, maybe more important, make sure that you're talking about it. Yeah, I, I really was, you know, you don't hear this much anymore, the idea that privacy is not a, uh, a right. Mm. You know, I think in the recent, at least the last 10 years, there's been a movement 
you know, and culture that we've really got to give our kids, especially junior hires, you know, that sense of independence, that and sense space. of identity. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of people have really erred on the side of being careful not to impinge or or helicopter hover, you know, mm-hmm. over over your kid. And so here's a lady who's been in the the depths of the addictive process, helping people for 25 years get over their addictions. And she's saying, hey, that's overrated. You right. know, this privacy thing is way, way overrated. Remember, you're a parent first. You're not their best friend. And mm-hmm. I think for me uh, and, and for many of our listeners, that's probably a sober reminder. It is. And I think it's um, – you have to be careful about it because they don't – you know, freedom isn't – they can do whatever they want or – but if the only time we're speaking to our kids is when we're checking up on them, that's a problem too. So it's both, right? It's you make sure you're tuned into what's going on and you know looking in. But but don't make that the only communication you have with your kid. Communication needs to be not just checking up on them, not just coming down on them, but also encouraging them and just doing fun things as well. Yeah. So you're not just the police. Not just the police. Yeah. You're you're actually engaged in a relationship. Because I yeah. I swing both ways. Honestly, I mean, I'll go so hardcore, like I'm checking everything, and then it's just like we're buddies, and you know. But there's it's it's a constant dance, I think, of getting it right. But not to ignore either one side is is really important. Yeah, and I you know I've got to add to the mix the idea that the the Christian parent and family has the presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit is this uh, supernatural sense of, you know, there's a warning, there's a sense of unease that a parent might have to check into something. Mm. You know, this idea, hey, ask so-and-so, where were they? Right. You right. know, who were you really with? Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, you, so I don't know that you have to be like, uh like vigilant constantly, but there are times I believe when the Holy Spirit prompts will, us. Well, prompt you, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Check into this. Check into this detail that you just heard. That might not. Be I the couldn't whole agree story. more. I could not agree more. Yeah. So I want to take some of the fear out of this, right? For the parent, you know, it's not that you you now have a one in four chance of your kid being a drug addict. You know, I think the the idea here is there is a, a growing problem, mm-hmm. and it is suburban. It's not just. Uh, Living in bad neighborhoods. Yeah, exactly. And so the the Christian has this supernatural support system built by God, the Holy Spirit, which is there to guide us and to illuminate our path. And so that includes our kids. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I'm, I I want to encourage people with that because as you pray as a as uh, parents, you know, as you spend that time in prayer over your kids, you're going to get some illumination. You're yeah. going to get some clarity about who's struggling with something within your family and, and how you could even potentially reach out and, and address that issue. And if I could go one step further on that, that I'm having to learn, and that is there's only so much we can do with our kids. Um, if we see a problem, we can't fix everything in our kids. Sometimes they just have to experience hurt. Sometimes they just have to be disappointed. That's part of life. And so... You know, it's not our job to make sure that their life is just happy and, and right. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's really a balance of, of making sure that they know that we're in it with them, um, but not, not just to make sure that they don't feel anything, <laughs> you know, because um, sometimes we as I, as parent, as a parent can try to want to make sure everyone's, everyone's cool. Yeah. And I, I can't help but think, um, you know, the single parent in this mix mm. could really be struggling with, uh, you know, how far to go with uh, monitoring their kids. It's a whole different dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm presuming, that's why I'm asking you as the host of, of Solo Parent Society, this has to be an even greater struggle for a single parent who has to be always aware that they could push their child away or that they could push them to another spouse mm-hmm. and and kind of lose that insight into what's really going on. And so there has to be a delicate balance here of privacy and respect and all of those things. It's just more complicated, I would assume. Yeah, it is a lot more complicated because <clears throat> in a lot of divorced homes, 50% of the time is spent at the other spouse. And so you don't really know or have any control over what's going on at right. the other house. Pills can be coming into your house from the other house if they are not of the same, they don't subscribe to the same um, methodology of raising kids. So, yes, it is more complex. 
But the most important thing is making sure that there is honest communication. I mean, always. It's not fixing. It's not policing. No amount of any of that will connect you to the heart of your kids. And so while those things are important, don't let those things supersede real authentic relationship. And I don't mean buddy. I mean, I'm here with you. I'm in it with you. And this is painful or this is difficult and I'll be here. But yes, it is It is more complicated for a single parent. Yeah. And I, as a pastor, I just have to remind people that, you know, when, when an adult or a child, uh, and I'm sure there are many parents who are struggling with some of these addictions as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just the kids. Um, yes. But anytime you see someone struggling with addiction, you're dealing with someone who's trying to medicate their pain. Mm-hmm. There's a self-medicating process that's occurring here, and that that points to a deeper wound. That's right. Uh, a, a deeper hurt that's not being met somehow yeah. in, that, in that level. And so I would always encourage parents to seriously consider counseling. Absolutely. Uh, family support with a therapist, a Christian or biblically based therapy. And, and it's, look, okay to wi- it's okay to admit that we can't do it alone. Absolutely. I mean, and that's it, a huge step. I think that's probably the greatest step yeah. is to go to your pastor or to another couple, uh, maybe who's a little further down the road with, than you are in life and say, oh, we need help. Yeah. Like, I, I think we might be in trouble or I might be in trouble and I can't walk through this alone. And I and I just I need you to pray with me. I need you to agree with me. I need to be accountable. Right. I know there are programs throughout the United States. If, if you don't live in the, the Richmond area where uh, our guest today was was really focused, there are celebrate recoveries. That's right. There are programs in different churches in almost every town in America. Absolutely. There are places to go. You don't have to deal with this on your own, and it just takes a step of humility, really. Yeah. Uh, to say, but I mean, once you get I mean, into no. those groups, and I've been to these groups, I've been, and and for those of us that have people that we love that are addicts, there's Al-Anon meetings all over the place as well, where you can, um, where you can get support for codependency because that's a primary thing that happens when you're dealing with an addict. So, between Celebrate Recovery and Al-Anon, there are support groups everywhere for every every possible reason. And every single person that's in one of those groups has felt exactly like you do in not wanting to go to those groups initially. But once they do, they realize they're among their people. Yeah. Well, I, I know we could go on a long time sort of breaking this down for, for our listeners. The one quote that really stuck with me, she said, instead of rehabilitation, we focus on transformation. Yeah. And uh, I really applaud that uh, posture, that vision for ministry, that it's not just about the nuts and bolts. It's not just about weaning them off of one drug and training them how to live a sort of responsible life. This idea of introducing Jesus to a person's soul, uh, who is the ultimate medication, if you will, for the hurts of life. Yeah. And so that's no different for uh, someone coming off the street who's homeless than it is for a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old in your home who's hurting, and they need Jesus every bit as much mm-hmm. as that homeless person. And so for the suburban parent, maybe the church family, that could be a sort of a surprise reminder. Your children need Jesus. Right. And ultimately, that is the solution to a transformed life. I know at 32, I got saved. It transformed my life. Mm-hmm. I know you uh, had a similar process of yeah. going through things. So our kids are no different. Right. Like, they have to have that same experience. And so they have to get to the end of themselves. Absolutely. They surrender yeah. And, Own it for themselves. Yep. You know, sort of uh, adopt the faith personally and not just through mom and dad. So I really, I thought this was a great and timely uh, agree more. interview. All right. Well, it's uh, time for us to get some uh, great wisdom from our friend Winston. And uh, Winston, if you don't know, is our mascot. He is full of fantastic facts. And I am a dog whisperer. So I talked with Winston earlier today and he gave me some information that you may find um, that that you didn't know. Yeah. Light on us. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that, that Winston really explained to me that I didn't know, Robert, maybe you did, is that movie trailers, you know, the the previews Mm -hmm. that we watch at the movie theater, Mm -hmm. they were originally shown after the feature film, which is why they were called... Trailers. Trailers, yeah. I did not know that. You know, Winston is... How does he get this information? I don't know. He's just got a... Uh, some kind of encyclopedic knowledge hidden in that little tiny noggin. It's crazy. I mean, he's got and a he little. He talks hit. to you. He does talk to me. It's, 
you know, it's in Winston talk. I mean, you have to yeah. be able to decipher it. It's okay. not like you could just understand it. No. Yeah. Do you talk to any other animals, like lizards or anything? You know, that's not appropriate right now. I'm just, you know, Winston and I have a special connection. It's okay. based completely on cheese. Yeah. Okay. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. That's helpful information. I'm going to take that to the bank, Brad. Thank you. Well, I think our parents out there probably have had enough of the heavy conversation that yep. they might need something a little lighter. So the next time you're watching a movie and you see the 30 minutes <laughs> previews before the show you came to see, remember they're trailers for a reason. Because they used to trail the movie. They used to be at the end. Yep. All right. Well, next week we're uh, we're going to be having another guest, and uh, I, I can't wait to uh, share our interview with our listeners. We are grateful for the time that you've spent with us today, and if this has been helpful, please don't hesitate to go on to SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes and give us a positive review. Like us on Facebook. We really appreciate it. Join us next week for our special guest. Keith Farron. He's a relational Bible study expert. He's going to be talking to us about moving from should to want. The personal insights into devotion as a parent. So join us next week on Brilliantly Brave Parenting. Parents, remember, even if you may not feel brilliant or brave, you are. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 13. This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance. All rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax deductible at iShineLive.com. Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage. And read our blog and connect with us at WordPress at BrilliantlyBrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave. What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12-year-old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. Wow. So it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions that really it's going to it's going to establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith that sounds very helpful especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith what they believe what the voices of culture are telling them if that's you and you're interested go to ishinelive.com and check out in our web store the shock and awe study guide it has a digital cloud video base so it's four studies in a small paperback volume for nine dollars and it has four videos that go with four studies it can be done in a weekend it can be done over a month or it can be done bi-monthly however you need it it is a fantastic resource that i have used as a pastor in my own home church and i have been impressed so check it out check it out